Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hello. I'm, I'm so good. How are you? Um, I'm so cold. You, you look freezing. <laughs> you look like I normally look. I'm like yeah. not in a hat and not in a sweatshirt and you're all bundled up and trying to convince me that you have snow. There so. was snow. There was it's for sure snow. Not, it's just a little bit. It's so <laughs> tiny. It's like... <laughs> But, okay, I appreciate that. that. We shut the entire city down because people got trapped on the interstate <laughs> for 20 <laughs> hours and half an inch of snow. Oh, well, I'm glad you're cozy and warm in your house. I, so. I am. The cats are like right here beside me because the space heater's been on all day. They're so happy. Uh, They're, space heater season they love it. is really their favorite season. They don't love me. Nice. Love the space heater. Yep. There you go. Um, so. I have a question for you that I've never asked. Okay. What is I'm your nervous. first bicycle that you remember? Oh, I had a Schwinn with the banana seat and the, the, um, monkey bars. Yeah. Um, that had the streamers half that came off of it. It was yellow. I loved that thing. How old were you? Do you yep. remember? Um, I think, I mean, I had bikes before that, but that's like the one I remember, remember, and I was in second grade. Okay. And I remember riding it to school. I remember getting to ride it home. I just, I remember that, that, you know, that you always talk, that you hear about like that sense of freedom. It was, it was definitely a transition in my childhood from, you know, similar to when I got my first car, like this is a, this is a means of transportation and mobility. Um, I remember riding it to softball practice and taking my mitt and putting it up over the handlebars, you know, and dropping it down and having to ride up Jones Hill, which is Lincoln street here in Emporia. It seemed like the biggest hill on the planet, but it really wasn't that big. As I run it, like run really and ride it all the time now. In Emporia? What? Are there really hills? No, there? I mean, there's, I mean, there's hills, but not like it. And it's, you don't have any gears. <laughs> yeah. No gear, single speed, you know, like, I bet I, I wonder if I walked up that hill a lot, 
but and I would write it over to my this is way too much information than what you just asked but like the nostalgia that comes up with thinking about it my my grandma Jones my mom's mother my mom never let us like have sugary sweet treats you know no like Cheerios plain was the cereal yeah. that we got to eat or Rice Krispies plain like nothing with sugar and my grandma would make us wonder bread with tub butter and sprinkled sugar on top of it. And I like that <laughs> was so great. Yes. And like, I would ride my bike over just for a piece of wonder bread with the soft serve butter. Cause we didn't have soft serve butter either. We couldn't have that. Anyway, that's way too much information. What was your first bike? <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't remember what kind it was, but it was kind of similar. I was probably around the same age, third or nah, well, I was probably fourth or fifth because I remember it when we moved from one tiny town in East Tennessee to another mm -hmm. tiny town in East Tennessee. And I was in third grade when we moved and I, um, yeah, I lived in this neighborhood that was, um, like it was a circle. So you came in and it was like a cul-de-sac, but it was a cul-de-sac with a giant hill on it and so we lived like halfway up the hill and so I just remember we would ride I must have been so freaking strong because we would just ride up and down those hills like yeah. in the neighborhood all and they were like real hills um and then there was a section up at the top where there was a we thought it was the greatest place on earth we called it dirt hill we were just like oh this is this amazing dirt hill what now I realized was it was just a house that was supposed to be built that was never built they dug out you know, the, the foundation for it. So it was just yeah. like a bunch of dirt and they never built up there, but we would take our bikes to the top and then ride down. I got in so much trouble for doing that. Cause I would come home with dirty clothes just and muddy. Yeah. Oh, but, nice. Yeah. I just like, we would all just hop on our bikes as soon as school was out and ride our bikes everywhere. Yeah. Yep. So, fun times. We, when we asked our guest today, she, um, started you know usually we say how did you get into riding bikes and she went way back and so it made me think of that and I was like I should ask Christy that question yeah that's a good one um I like it okay well I have an exciting thing to share before we get to our interview though what is it <laughs> we <Yeah>. now <laughs> you've got me all nervous <laughs> we are all going to Kansas <laughs> what no we're not what no oh not. <laughs> that's not even funny you're mean well maybe in june in june i'm planning okay to um, okay but not right now because you've got more of the covid than we have here in Atlanta. we have a lot of covid here right now <laughs> <laughs> we were just saying like it's been so warm here that our cases have been really low mm -hmm. but now it's getting now as you can see i'm bundled up so it's probably going to change here but we have girls gone gravel merch yeah girls gone gravel merch Sweet. so we have nice. uh we have two options we have a big girl chamois option we have a tank top and a t-shirt and then we have a gone gravelin shirt nice so i like it a sweatshirt and a t-shirt and a tank and they are all on the live feisty store so if you go to livefeistymedia.com okay. they're they are all on there um to purchase These could be some good christmas presents order it immediately because we do it from a one of those companies instead of us putting like a ton of money in and you know like yeah gonna buy what it's one of those where they ship on demand but I did order a bunch of stuff yesterday and I noticed like 
they were like, this shall be delivered between the 14th and the 24th. And I was like, I got it right in time for Ooh. Christmas. So you did. Yeah. So cool. anyway, but I'm yeah, check that out. Time gravel swag. There will be more coming, but this was just kind of our little starter tester stuff to get out there. So cool. I love it. Everybody can go check that out. And then of course it helps support the podcast, anything that we sell on the store. So we I like that, that idea. <laughs> <laughs> well I have to tell you we've we've got Sally Turner today on and she's one of the race directors for Mid-South Gravel um so we had her on to talk about what's coming up for what 2020 looked like and what's coming up for 2021 um yes. so I think that people will be really interested in hearing what she has to say um but perhaps even more excitingly right now my timer is going off because I think I've successfully mastered sourdough. <gasps> That's so exciting. I know. I'll send you a loaf, maybe. <laughs> if you're going to be like, like starter, a brick. I was like, I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> no, I'm not sending you starter. <laughs> That's good because I would never bake it. <laughs> oh, God. This has been two weeks, Catherine, of me trying to get my sourdough starter to work. And I think I think I finally got it. So. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm really stressed out for you. So you better go check on it. And okay. we're going to go ahead and let everybody get to the interview then. Yes. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Here is our interview with Sally Turner. Hey, Catherine. I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooders sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got rosé before brosé. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. <laughs> Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Belcorva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like posts a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh. I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> Well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket in every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome length, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. 
But we yeah. are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, welcome to another week of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. I am here freezing to death in Atlanta. You're, you're pretending like there's actually snow there. Come on. Like, I that's know, a joke. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's snow and there was some on my deck this morning and I was very excited about it. But uh, do you have snow, Christy? No. It's sunny and it's chilly here today, but it's sunny. No. Your, your snow that you showed me on your phone looked like static. It's thick so scant it's snow it's real snow in atlanta anyway we are here with somebody that might have snow <laughs> sally turner in stillwater oklahoma hi sally hi we also do not have any snow <laughs> very disappointing <laughs> it, it might it might snow tomorrow apparently so yeah stillwater can get a good little bit of snow because i lived in edmond for a while yeah edmond the whole oklahoma city area somehow managed to get blasted way more than stillwater does and we're like North, maybe 50 miles north. Yeah, that's weird. Well, if there's sure going to be, works, if there's going to be any participate precipitation in Stillwater, it's bound to happen on Mid South Gravel Weekend. A hundred percent. That is that is the one thing we can guarantee is that there will be some kind of weather situation. That was me trying to do a nice smooth transition. I like that. I like that. <laughs> to talking about what Sally Turner uh, does. Yeah. Well, Sally Turner is one of the race directors for Mid-South, so we're going to hear all about that. But before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into cycling and all the stuff. Well, um, I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I moved super far, you know. Oh, but Tulsa's such a great city. It's so it, cool. Oh, I it's love like it. It's a totally different Oklahoma over there. Oh yeah, it totally is. Green country as we like. Green hills, like yes. just a really cool city. It's a really cool place. Um, shout out to my Tulsa peeps. But Stillwater does have a really good homecoming. Yes, we do. It's We like to brag about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm from Tulsa. Um, I guess you could say I got into cycling as a kid because of my granddad. He did a lot of uh, cycling tours. Like he did the Oklahoma Freewheel, which is still going today um and then he, he did you know, like the brat the bike ride across tennessee and some other things and so i always got to see him off riding and doing his cool little adventures and i was like that's just so i always thought that was so interesting um and of course i just had you know my pink little schwinn with sparkly grips and whatever on it um that i would pedal furiously around the neighborhood i remember going to a a shoe, like an athletic shoe store with my brother one time to get basketball shoes for him. And I walk in and I'm like eight and I'm like, man, I wonder if they have any cycling shoes. And of course I was just thinking about like shoes that would grip my flat pedals really mm. easily, but little did I know those things do exist. And I have several pairs of them now. Um, but off of that segue, um, I came to Stillwater for school and, um, my husband, Austin, he's the service manager at District Bicycles. He started working there and uh, I started riding my grandma's old bike to class at U and, and this is kind of history. <laughs> um, District sucked me in as it does a lot of people in a good way. And here we are. Yeah. 
what uh tell us what the gravel scene is like like did you start writing gravel or no you were just writing your bike um no originally I just started yeah. riding to class and bumping around town and um I didn't really even I knew that there was like mountain biking and I knew that there was road biking and that was pretty much it which I think is probably what a lot of people think when mm -hmm. they are first introduced to cycling um but yeah my first gravel ride was on a, a borrowed fat bike so I think that's probably <laughs> not a very um not an experience that a lot of people have for their first gravel ride is on a fat bike but it was a lot of fun and I managed to not die the first time or the second time so that was good <laughs> um, but yeah, the gravel scene here has really exploded. It and it really kind of started when District opened and Bobby and Crystal were like, hey, we want to check this stuff out. Um, and then it just grew from there. Lots of people from pretty much all walks of life who maybe didn't feel at home in the, you know, in other cycling communities for whatever reason, it's not saying anything against them, but um, they found a, a place in our little crew of misfits here, which is great. Band of misfits. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, where did you meet your husband? We met in high school. Okay. Um, he's going to be so mad that I tell this story, but too bad. Um, so we, I went to a, a really little Christian high school in Tulsa and called St. Augustine. And, uh, we did big plays every year, big theatrical productions. And um, he came to see one of his friends and he didn't go to school with us yet. And, and I saw him and I was just like, that guy is really cute. And I did that with my um, <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, and I, I have to put that part of the interview yeah, on video. The lowering of the glasses. <laughs> Sally just like put her, like, she just did the look. Yeah. The little, you know, the angry librarian, but hey man. Um, and I proceeded to stalk him a little bit and he ended up coming to our school the next semester. And, uh, <laughs> when I found out that I was like, oh no, no, you're going to think I'm this crazy person. Um, but then two years later we started dating, so it worked. And yes. then, yeah. And then 10 years later we got married. So we were in it for the long haul. Nice. Um, and you, when, when did, uh, your transition into Mid-South kind of come about? So I've worked with them and helped out in some form or fashion every year since it started, but mm -hmm. my first, this is going to be my fourth event to actually work for. So what's that like 20 or yeah, 2017 was the first year that I came on. I started in December and so then went into the, well, now my years are mixed up. <laughs> um, this, is I, this year I always this get confused year's been like five years so it's I all know, God, I don't even know anymore well, uh, I mean you've been with it since the beginning in mm -hmm. one form or, or another but official yeah. capacity you worked the 18 19 20 year and then mm -hmm. this will be your fourth year at 2021 yes that is correct cool. cool thanks for doing that math for me oh yeah I can't ever remember what year I started with unbound so but anyway, it yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> Yours are hard. <laughs> we still love it. We're having a great time. <laughs> yes. Well, I've, I've been to many, many Mid-Souths. The only one I officially missed was the first year. But Catherine, you have not, have you? 
I have not. And that's why I was asking what the gravel is like in Oklahoma, because what I remember from my time there, which it's been, I can't even tell you what year I lived in Oklahoma anymore, but uh, less gravel, more mud is what I remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have very sticky red mud, um, lots of clay, which is kind of lends to the sticky. Um, and then there's just a lot of iron in the soil. So hopefully no like scientists are listening to this and being like, well, she's wrong about that. But um, there, <laughs> science. Um, uh, but we also got like a lot of like limestone. And so that'll, we've got a lot of like chunky limestone and gravel. And then we've got just the sandstone that'll turn into mush mm-hmm. when it gets wet and grinds down. So, but I mean, when the roads are dry, they're perfect. When they're muddy, they're perfect. <laughs> that is such a lie. I know that's I know, what you guys try to sell, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because also March is an interesting time of year because mm-hmm. from my memories of maybe living there, it tended to rain a lot in March. What was kind of like the, let's do a race in March. And, and also like, it can be really cold in Oklahoma in March sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes it's both <laughs> like 2017 was awful. Cold and wet the entire time. I mean, my favorite photos of any of our races are from 2017 though, because it just shows the absolute grueling conditions that people had to deal with. And so many people, despite all of that, powered through and finished. And it's just kind of incredible. Um, I did it in 2016 where it had rained like the day before or maybe like the night before. And it wasn't, so I, I never got wet but I still had to carry, drag, push my bike through like 10 miles of mud that was just up to your ankles. I definitely saw a shoe like that had just gotten sucked off somebody's foot. And I don't think they realized because it, like there was the shoe. <laughs> they realized when they tried on. to get back on eventually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the thing I've heard is like, they, you give everybody paint sticks for a reason. Mm-hmm. People don't take them because they're like, what's this for? I know. Why are you giving us paint sticks? Are we painting later? What's going on? No, it's to scrape the mud off of your bike and out from between your frame and your wheels and between your chain and your wheels and between everything and everything. It's just, it gets everywhere. I still have mud on my saddle from 2016. And it's just never, ever going to come out. It is a part of my life now, forever. Okay. Now that we've really sold this race, why don't you tell us what makes it great? Everybody's like, get, is there space? Mud. People love this. Uh, <laughs> no, they really do. Um, we we kind of like to say that it's like a big family reunion every single year. As you meet people and you make friends out there on the road or at Iron Monk when you're having your pre-race or post-race beer. Um, and these are the people that like you've suffered with. I don't, I I never want to compare it to like being an actual battle because people who have actually done that deal with a lot more than we'll ever know. But you have kind of been through something really difficult together and you have a camaraderie there, which you don't find in a lot of other places. So just from the fact that it's like, I can't wait to go back and see my gravel family this year. I think that makes it really special. Um, And the fact that Bobby hugs every single person who crosses the finish line that really get, brings um a level of like almost like intimacy to the community because who else does that 
I mean, he's broken afterward, but now he has to keep doing it because he's done it yeah. every year. Maybe not this next year. Maybe not this next year. Actually, definitely not this next year. Put him in a COVID suit. If you try to hug him. Yeah. Well, that was actually a look. That's a good transition, Christy. <laughs> we so, have to stop telling people that we when we're doing it well, because then they. I know we're so bad at transition, Sally. But <laughs> <laughs> then we actually have one. I'm like, we had a good transition. Oh. Uh, they know us now, Christy. I know. Uh, so I am super curious to hear from your perspective, because we did, we had somebody, I can't remember, we had somebody that raced the event, maybe Amanda, she had done it, right? Amanda Nauman did it, yes. On the podcast yep. and talking a little bit about. And then Amity didn't, and she was also on a podcast talking yeah, about it, so. Some of our first guests. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of criticism on both sides, like for having the event this year, but you were literally like when things were changing every day making the decision. So I'd love for you to walk us through what it was like to be uh, in your shoes. When was uh, the race? It was March. It was March 14th. Yeah. yeah because Friday the 13th, it was Friday. Yeah. the 13th. Yeah. And I think uh, like in Atlanta, we which, maybe shut down the 15th, which yeah. were our city. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I think we started getting some kind of inklings that like we might be impacted probably that Monday. Um, it's kind of funny, like two weeks before I had a friend text me and he was, and you know, we all knew about COVID, but we, it wasn't in the States yet. And I just remember thinking like, man, that really sucks. Like those poor people, but that's never going to impact me. Hmm. Incorrect. Um, my friend texted me and was like, man, I really think you guys are just going to skate right under the wire before this whole thing hits the fan. And I was just like, I hope so, but I really don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. I was so wrong. Um, we, people started reaching out to us, you know, friends in, our, in the medical community who are cyclists and saying, hey, like, we really want you to keep an eye on this. We're not sure if you should do it. Um, but they, they didn't ever tell us straight up, like, you should not have this event. Yeah. You should not hold this event. Um, they were, you know, trying to let us have our own autonomy and, and let us make a decision ourselves but they were pretty strongly advising us to um, adjust it in some way or cancel the event altogether. And then, but we, and so we talked to, you know, our city officials and I mean, they were kind of getting the information along with the rest of the world because it just, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of information, but at the same time it was coming out so quickly um, that it was kind of hard to keep up with, but it was just little tiny bits. So it's not like, oh, well, this is, this is the deal breaker. Now we have to shut it down. There was, there was never um, a moment like that. So Tuesday comes around and I'm like, I don't know, man, we're getting a lot of pressure to do something. And, but we kept thinking like, well, what do we do? There's already people here. There were tons of people already here um, who come in a week ahead of time just to hang out and ride and recon the course and um, people were on the road, people were coming from overseas, which they ended up landing and then getting back on the next plane to go back because <laughs> the borders were shutting down. So that should have been an indicator of, that, of how super serious it was for sure. But we finally made the decision, I think it was on Thursday, to let people defer if they wanted to. Um, but we were still going to hold the event because there were already 
so many people were here, people were still going to line up on the day and, and start the race. And they were going to go to our restaurants and go to our bars. And, um, at that point, even if we didn't have an official event, it still would have happened. So we decided to just go forward with it. Uh, but we did make modifications. There were not supposed to be any Bobby hugs, but uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. It didn't work out as well as we wanted it to. Um, but I am happy to say that we did not get anybody after the fact saying, hey, I came down with symptoms or I was exposed to your event, which uh, that was a breath. That was a, breath, a sigh of relief after after we kind of like cleared those two weeks and and we hadn't heard from anybody. But just the anxiety afterward was awful. It was, I mean, saying stuck between a rock and a hard place is, mm-hmm. is such a cliche, but I that's, that's kind of what it was at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were exactly in that window of like, yeah. there's just not enough information because I was at, uh, I'm in Atlanta and Sarah Gross, who is, owns the media company that produces our podcast, she came in February, the last week in February, and we did an event here uh, with the Iron Women, their other podcast, the Iron Women podcast. And we were at the US Olympic marathon trials with 100,000 people on the 29th of February. Yeah. And I just remember like seeing some news and being like, Sarah, I think this might end up being a thing. And now looking back, it's like, yeah, we had 100,000 people in downtown Atlanta everybody's shoving into the Marta's like, mm-hmm. you know, we just didn't like, nobody knew what was going on. And then all of a sudden it was like, nobody really knew. And then if you were in smaller communities, there's so much unknown, you know? Well, and you know, I think it's, it's all heightened by the fact that, you know, Sally and I are in the Midwest. So the coasts were definitely moving at a faster pace than we were. You, um, you know, and so there was, there was that pressure too, is that you did have athletes coming from the coast that were like, we're not coming yeah. from our perspective, you're making the wrong decision. But, but when you're sitting in the center of the country and that's not the same information you're getting, it makes it really, really difficult to navigate mm-hmm. that. And you guys were really on that cusp that literally had you been the next weekend, it wouldn't oh, have yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it wouldn't have happened, but it would, it would not have, we would have totally called it. Right. And I think that criticism of, you know, of course, <laughs> sitting in a race director's position, you know, you hate it when you're watching your fellow race directors go through that kind of backlash, because it's not like if people think that, that we're not doing our very best to make the best decision all the time, they're completely wrong. Like it's, it's just a, it's, it's yeah, it's just a trying position to be in. And that was, you know, even afterwards, like I remember seeing the picture of Amanda and Bobby where Amanda's like, eh, and you know, Bobby's, Bobby's Bobby, you know, you're like the, the reality of that situation hadn't sunk in, but yet Amanda, you could see it on Amanda's face, but, but it was just, it was interesting looking back at that. It's like this little piece of history that, you know, we can look back at and be like, wow, that's really where in, in the cycling world, that's really where in, in the, in the U S cycling world, the gravel scene, that's where it blew up was like mm-hmm. right there is when we, when you kind Absolutely. of saw the, the turn for the whole entire gravel cycling race season. That was yeah. the event. That, that was wild. <laughs> event after event, pull the plug or postpone and then cancel. That was that was surreal. And to be totally honest, I had a little bit of guilt 
So I was like, oh man, we like slid under the wire, but nobody else yeah. did. And like, I don't know why I felt that way, but at the same time, like just through happenstance and circumstances, we managed to have our event and nobody else did. Yeah. And that's, that's hard to watch other people because you know how much work we put into it and yeah. seeing all that work just, I mean, go down the drain or be put on hold until next year. And then you still have to do it all over again. So what does your 2021 look like then? Well, the Mid-South is on one way or another. Um, we have a COVID safety protocols page on our site that we've um, chatted with a few people about to make sure that we are covering all our bases. And uh, I think the biggest thing is that, well, several big things, but no Bobby hugs, hundred percent. Like I'm not joking about putting him in a straight jacket and like putting him up on a roof or something. Like you cannot get to him. It's not allowed. Then also we are um, requiring masks at um, the start line. And then also um, anywhere you're inside, We've asked people to adhere to state and local mask ordinances. Right now, Stillwater has a mask ordinance where you are required to have a mask while you're inside. Mm -hmm. And then also if you're kind of outside in a, in a crowded area with a lot of foot traffic. Um, and that's just, it's just best practices anyway for yourself. Um, we are doing a staggered start and socially distanced start line. So um, everybody who registered was asked to estimate when they thought they would finish. And then we will line people up according to that. So it's, you have like a, I think it starts five to six hours and six to eight and then eight to 10 and 10 to 12. And, um, and that way, hopefully people are, people are being honest about when they think they will finish. And so yeah. that way we can put them in the groups that they're going to be pacing with basically. So that there's not a lot of like passing each other and spraying of virus particles. Um, another thing we're going to do is that we're not having the beer can release party, mm. which is very sad because that's such a big party and we love doing that. It's kind of like our, after we've done all this work, we get to cut loose just a little bit and have a good mm -hmm. time. Um, but man, we break fire code every time we go in that building anyway. So <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> really shouldn't cram 150 or 200 people into that tiny uh, tap room this year. But we are gonna work with Iron Monk to figure out um, a beer and all that stuff. So there will be beer, don't worry. No, you guys are worried about that, all you listeners. There will be beer. And we're not doing a in-person writers meeting. We're gonna, that's gonna be virtual as well. And it's gonna be pre-recorded. So you can kind of access it whenever you have 30 minutes or whatever to watch it. Um, when we, uh, when people registered, we let them know that the event could go virtual and we are working on a pretty rad plan for a virtual event. That's not gonna be sit you sitting inside on a trainer looking at a computer screen because I'm sorry, that sounds awful. Yeah. I know people do that all the time. And I know that like there are places where you can't go outside because it's five million degrees below zero, but it's not for me. So there is, there is a plan in place or we're working on putting a plan in place to make it so that you can go outside and ride your bike and have a good time doing it. 
And uh, we're gonna decide by the middle of February whether or not that needs to actually be put into action because we'll have a pretty good indicator here about caseloads and then with our registration data, we can see where people are, where most of our people are coming from. So we'll be able to tell if mm -hmm. there's um, a big concern from bringing the virus outside into Stillwater because I mean, we have to take care of our community. It's just irresponsible is a really light way to put how we would behaving, be behaving if we continued to have an event in the, in the worst like spike of the pandemic ever. That's just, we have to take care of our community because our community takes care of us. So yeah. we are putting a lot of work into making sure that if we do have an in-person event, it'll be awesome and it'll be safe. And if we can't do that, we're still gonna have an awesome virtual event. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I love that you have like many layers of a plan. And this made me think for both of you, a question for both of you. Um, Christy, I know you all haven't had an event since this, but you've had to make some adjustments, but you know, they talk about how much innovation will come out of mm -hmm. COVID. And I'm curious, like as race directors, are there things that you're like, oh, actually this makes more sense. Like we'll probably do something like this in the future or from, think, oh, you mean like carrying on from what we've learned yeah, from this like year? You're, yeah. that you've been innovating or have to do like, what are those things that you think, oh, we could probably like logistically this works better this there might not be a good answer to this but I'm just curious I like the way businesses run <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I think you know for from the unbound perspective um we we had a lot of really great success with our Kajabi platform and the virtual camp and then the virtual expo that we did online so looking at ways that we can adapt and use that moving forward um as a as a lottery event, you know, we, we know for Unbound already, like when we open registration in January, it's going to, there's not going to be a whole lot of spots. So what, how do we, how do we still include people? And I think this year has given us an opportunity to experiment with that, to come up with some cool ideas for virtual events where people can still participate, even if they can't come and be there in person. So you know, those are, those I think are some of the big things that come out of it. And then, you know, like Sally said about the, the recorded riders meeting. Um, I've probably been the biggest holdout on that. We've done it Facebook live. Um, so that people can then watch it if they can't come in, but it's been one of my things where I'm like, no, I really like everybody coming to the Granada theater and, you know, high-fiving each other and, and getting the sense of, it's just a, it's an opportunity to get you jazzed up and, and be around the community. Um, so I've never wanted to really do the pre-recorded, but we, we, I mean, that's going to happen. So, and it, it probably will prove me wrong. So. <laughs> but yeah, you haven't I haven't gone through a whole bunch of virtual stuff though yet. No, we haven't done anything virtual before. Um, but I'm kind of excited about it. It's if nothing else, it's a new challenge and it's a it's a way to bring on a little bit of innovation. Um, I would say maybe the biggest change that we've done is that we are doing the lottery, or we did do the lottery. And um <laughs> the, we really held out against that for several years just because it's not as fun. And the whole no, <laughs> anticipation of getting up early, making your coffee 
um, being there right at eight to hit your button when registration goes live, that's great, but that is still a barrier to a lot of people who maybe their internet connection is not that great, or maybe they're in a place where they can't be at a computer at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. And so this, I feel like evens the playing field for a lot of people who wanna be in the event, but maybe haven't necessarily had the opportunity to, to be there right when it opens. So that's nice. Um, and then also I, I would agree with the virtuals, right? The virtual writer. I'm excited about that too, because it will, um, <laughs> it'll reduce the amount of work that I have to do on Friday night. <laughs> to be totally honest. Full transparency. <laughs> um, I don't have to like keep to a, I still have to keep to a schedule, but, um, right. that schedule with, you know, the way thing the way things go with live performances, they're always behind and there's only so much you can do about it. So I think this will be a good, uh, a good development to come out of all of this. You all have, have you, no, you sent out spots. Cause I saw a bunch of people in our women gravel cyclist group say that they were in. So yes, everybody yes. has their spot. Yes. And then my only other question is you all did, uh, I think for the first time this past year, also an ultra running event on the we, day before actually done that good, I think, yeah. a few years this is, is going to be the fifth? fifth I think it's your fifth yeah okay. uh, it's I know it started before I started working for them um but yeah it's a, a 50k ultra marathon which is roughly 31 miles um and that course is so difficult like it's hard to ride I ride it when I'm like training for something because it's a good it'll kick your ass um and you can do it in three hours so it's the best bang for your buck exercise I guess when you don't have a lot of time um but people come and run that which totally blows my mind um and then there are people who run that on Friday and then ride 100 miles the next day and we got so many people asking if they could do that these just ultra endurance athletes wanting to do something like that that we made the double which is you run on Friday and you ride on Saturday which is just an incredible feat of athleticism and endurance and stubbornness. <laughs> I'm so impressed every time. It's yeah, that's, I, I really like think about that and like, I want to do that. And then each year when I think about reaching out to Bobby to do it, I'm like, yeah, never mind. I know. <laughs> I went and ran it sounds a mile like an awful lot of suffering. Yeah, I went and ran a mile and a half this morning and I was just like, oh, doing this for 30 miles sounds terrible. <laughs> what a bad idea. <laughs> I just think how hungry you would be the next day while you're riding if you ran an ultra the day before. Yeah, I think that would be my problem is oh, that maybe. I wouldn't be hungry, but I would need to eat. Yeah. Like, I have that, I have that, like, after I put in a big effort, like I, it takes me like two days before I get my appetite back. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like forcing myself to eat food, which would not go well with my tummy. So. Yeah. After I did the formerly dirty Kansas now unbound in last year, um, I, my stomach was so messed up for days. I just mm -hmm. couldn't eat anything. And I just was like, Sally, eat the fruit, just have some fruit eat anything else 
And so I was just choking down smoothies because that's all I could handle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two days after that event, I'm like, get me to Casa Ramos. I will eat all of the chips. Mm. I will eat. Yeah. Just like, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Like, but back every single up. calorie that we burned. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, yeah. Well, now that we've made both of those events <clears throat> sound so awesome. <laughs> Sally, tell, excuse me, I don't know what's going on here. Sally, tell people where they can find you and follow you if they want to kind of get some behind the scenes of what a race director does. Okay. Um, so my Instagram is Stillwater Cycles, Stillwater underscore cycles. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as Sally Turner. Um, and that's really the only places I'm active. It's a bad millennial, I guess. They, people can't get into Mid-South this year, but next year you will have a lottery again. So Yes. And fun fact, if you come and volunteer this year mm. and sign up appropriately, so I have all of your information, you get a guaranteed spot in the following year. So if you didn't get in this year, come and work for a little bit and you get in next year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So and we will have volunteer information and signups after the first of the year. And that will be available on our website, midsouthgravel.com and all over our social media. And we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Midsouth Gravel. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really had a great time hearing all about this, all the, all the challenges and all the fun. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun and challenging, but mostly fun. (laughs) The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com.